0: the way out podcast episode 376 hey what's your name
1: my name is christine cohen and i'm yes. an alcoholic
2: <laughs> nice <laughs> Hi, <Christine. laughs> i
1: can't say my name without the without the you know the credentials that i, I know
2: have. <laughs> i do that sometimes at work meetings i'm like oh my bad my bad
1: <laughs> yep <laughs> it, it, but it but it's always worked out well so yep i'm christine i'm an alcoholic
2: hell yeah and Christine, what was your substance of choice or D.O.C.?
1: Uh, alcohol. Vodka.
2: Vodka, specifically. Oh,
1: yeah, it was very specific.
2: Because <laughs> people yeah. can't smell it, right?
1: It shows me. <laughs> right? Right? It always looked good in a water bottle.
2: That is the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever heard that people actually think they don't stink.
1: Rational lies. That's
2: weird. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> what is your recovery date, if you keep track?
1: Uh, oh, I absolutely do. Uh, March fourteenth, two thousand twelve, at approximately eleven thirty a.m.
2: Wow, you even got the timestamp on I'm there.
1: Pretty specific. That's right.
2: Hell yeah! And uh, how do you serve the recovery community?
1: Oh my goodness. Well, um, I, I have my own podcast, Purpose Driven this Variety, um and um, you know, just at outreach. Right now, we're we're involved in a in a freaking awesome deal we're doing it's called operation sober santa and we are with purpose driven sobriety and some friends from some some local um aa groups we're putting together christmas care bags for residents in sober living so just just giving back yeah just giving back the podcast is the biggest thing probably just you know the same as you just getting the word out taking the shame out of the stigma out of addiction
3: yeah
2: and what's that called again? Operation what?
1: Sober Santa.
2: Sober Santa, all right. Yep.
1: hmm.
2: That's yep. awesome. All right. And then finally, what does recovery mean to you?
1: Peace. Peace. Sim- Sim- I mean it, it's um as a matter of fact I, I was telling you before we came on that I just came out of a ladies' meeting that that we host here and and, um, you know, there's a, there's a difference between, to me, um, between being sober and being in recovery. I don't wanna be sober. You know, um, sober to me is the equivalent of hell. I wanna be in recovery. And recovery right. means that I don't want to eat a bullet,
3: mm.
1: which I did before I got into recovery. Every single day, I wanted to just exit. This existence wow. and recovery makes me want to stay, it makes me want to um, enjoy, you know, it makes me want to share. It recovery is, is life, life and peace.
2: Fully put, and yeah, there's nothing you can add to that. Mm-mm. I think, I think about what tremendous value you're bringing to those around you today and that, that just warms my heart you know
3: To i think
1: well and did it did it right back at you dude i mean we you know it's one of those things that you know they say it. they say in 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 our program you can't keep it if you, if you don't give it away mm. you know which these kinds of cliches just roll off of our tongue you know you can't keep it if you don't give it away but you know what it, um that it's it's like i want to give this away I, as a matter of fact there are people i want to shove it down their throats but but I, I want to. I, you know, when you see that veil, that that black nasty-ass veil of shame fall from someone's face when when they realize that there's hope, mm-hmm. there is. That I, am I, I, I my higher power, who I choose to call God. I believe that's why God put us on this earth is to is to help each other um get through this life and and when you can play a part in that there is no great there and i know that you're in is back at you is what i'm saying you're you're on the front lines as well dude i appreciate
0: it Mm -hmm. welcome way out faithful and first timers to this week's installment of the way out podcast we appreciate your ears our mission is simple to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jumpstart or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction. The Way Out Podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out Podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous, online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret facebook group for discussion go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about transitions daily don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends in meetings and with sponsees in recovery Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Listen up, everyone. Certified and professional recovery coaching is now available by going to wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. We want to help you and those you know who want help in building a strong, rewarding and enduring recovery. Let our recovery experience and training enhance and strengthen your recovery by visiting wayoutcast.com and then clicking on Recovery Coaching. Finally, a word of caution. This podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out Podcast is on right now. I'm Charlie, and in this edition of The Way Out, co-host extraordinaire Jason has a tremendous interview with an amazing new podcaster, an all-around great human being, Christine Cohen from the Purpose Driven Sobriety Podcast. Christine is hilarious and charming in her heartfelt delivery, sharing her story with us. This episode oozes with recovery wisdom and spiritual truths, and the connection and chemistry Jason and Christine share is a recipe for an enjoyable and enlightening listening experience we know you will surely appreciate just as much as we appreciate your ears. So do be sure you listen up. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your trusty co host,
2: Jason, here with the Way Out podcast. And I got with me a very special guest somebody that I recently met, somebody that recently started a new podcast called Purpose Driven Sobriety, and somebody that I'm really grateful to call a friend. You have been nothing but fun to talk to and get to know, and, uh, you know, lots of laughs, but boy, lots of wisdom shared, and, uh, you know, a lot of heart. Uh, Christine Cohen is here with us. What's up, Christine?
1: Hey, Jason, honey. I'm glad to be here.
2: Hell yeah. dude! I'm grateful for you coming and showing up and I'm looking forward to learning more about you. I did listen to the episode of your podcast where you kind of tell your story, but I think we'll get a longer, deeper version today, uh, especially since you'll have somebody who's inquisitive to ask you some uh, probing questions along the way. Okay. But
1: Probe away. Hell yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and don't, don't feel uh, obligated by any means to share beyond your, uh, you know, what you're willing to share. But I'm, I'm like that. I'm just like, uh, you know, nothing's off limits for me. Not a uh, thing, but I'm, yeah, I'm grateful too, that I work in a field and I have supportive people around me where it's, it's not a thing I can.
3: hmm Mm-hmm, candidly
2: okay. speak candidly all the time about whatever and you know almost, even
1: almost to a fault i've been told for myself but, same
2: know. same people right, will be you, like
1: yeah
2: even my friends in recovery will look at me and be like oh shit i like too
1: much information i'm like whatever dude no such thing <laughs> there's no such thing no right such thing.
2: so uh christine where are you from
1: i live in waco texas
2: Waco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh so we just typically start I like to start, you know, kind of at the beginning, you know, some uh family of origin kind of info. Just what was it like for little Christine growing up? We'll take it from you. Mm.
1: Mm. Okay. Well, that's a thing. Um, I was born into an alcoholic family. Um my father was a um was a raging alcoholic. Um I can remember being woken up by my mom to um we we lived in a north dallas area um to to get in the car to go pull him out of a a ditch on you know um interstate 35 um because he was passed out somewhere and and you know um he was also the one that sexually abused me um and and that was um revealed to my mother. And, and, you know, it was just basically swept under the rug and it was, it was a very toxic. And I know that now, right. Obviously a little me just was surviving. Um, I have one brother who's two years older. He had his own physical abuse trauma with, with my parents. Um, but it was just, it was, it was a very, looking at it now with the, through the eyes of recovery, right. That I've, that I've been, have had the gift of for, you know, March will be 12 years. Um, they're just, they were just so, so spiritually sick. And, and some people don't understand what that means. And it's, it's just when you're so self-absorbed that, um, you can't see, you can't see any other person's needs or feelings or, or, you know, it's just spiritually sick. So if you know what that means, you, you know, you know what that means, but I'm able to look at that now, but man, I, I was raised with some, some anger, um, um, doubt about myself, you know, the, the, um, my self image was shit, you know, and for pretty much my entire life, I would overcompensate, you know, but but it was one of those things where, you know, my my mother would like to think that it was a relatively nor- normal childhood just because it's like, well, you know, we're just if we don't talk about something, it didn't happen, you know, and um and it wasn't, you know, and I was I was a decent kid. I didn't get into a whole lot of trouble. My brother did. He he was a hellion. um So so he he got most of the attention from the parents, good, bad or indifferent because of his behavior and trouble with the law. And so, I mean, I just kind of flew under the radar um, and was just left to myself, you know? And um, it was, it was this, I can look back at pictures of myself and it's one of those things that just off on a tangent real quick, that my sponsor had suggested that, um, you know, in CODA codependency anonymous, they talk about the inner child, which, you know, I, I remember rolling my eyes at this inner child bullshit. It's like, what what the hell is that? But, but, and I am convinced that it's a, it's a true thing that we stop developing emotionally at some point in time, right? When, when a trauma happens, we stop developing emotionally. We develop physically, intellectually, but emotionally, I would still, you know, as a teenager, as a young adult in my twenties, thirties and going into my forties, would respond to certain things like a five-year-old. I mean, I would, <laughs> you know, the temper tantrums, I mean, seriously, the temper tantrums, the selfish, self-centered, you know. Um, but, but I was, I was left to myself a lot and, and I can, what I was leading up to is my sponsor, my sponsor had suggested that I find a, a photograph of myself as a, as a little girl. And mm-hmm. I was a toehead. I had, I just had the whitest blonde hair, you know, and, and I was a cute kid. Um, And so I I found a couple of pictures uh, of myself and I still carry them in my handbag, in my wallet to this day. And, um, and what she said to me was, is she said, this little baby girl um, just was not not treated properly. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, we can agree on that. She goes, so how about, you start taking care of her, you know? And I I know I've gotten off topic, but, but, but it's one of those things that (laughs) I can look back at that little girl and, you know, today at 54 years old, I tell her when to go to bed. You know, I tell her she doesn't listen all the time, but I tell her not to eat that fourth or fifth cookie, (laughs) you know, um, you know, when she's not been kind, I tell her when she needs to apologize and how she needs to apologize. And, um, I don't allow anyone to badmouth her and I don't allow anyone to disrespect her to her face. And, and, um, I take up for her, you know, so it's one of those things that now, you know, after going through, um, you know, the program of recovery and working it day in and day out, I'm able to do that. But I was, I was just a very, um, sad child, you know, um, into my teenage years, I was a loner. Um, I, I, I had a lot of acquaintances, a lot of acquaintances, like everybody knew who I was, not in a bad way, but I just, you know, um, I just kind of was, I didn't have any best friends. I didn't hang out with anybody in school. I was just kind of a, in my head, a loner. Um, and I got pregnant with my daughter. Do you want me to keep on going that far?
3: You sure can. Yeah, absolutely. I
1: got, I got pregnant with my daughter, um, at, at 18, and, um, you know, I, that was my almost, that was my way out. Cause I was still living with my parents. My parents separated for a while when I was younger, when the, the, the abuse was discovered, but my mom took him back. He stopped drinking, um, and was, he passed away last year, 2022, um, and was a dry drunk. You know, he had never worked a program. Never, you know, and I, I I, don't think I probably have to explain too much on um, what type of personality he had, not having a program. Um, angry, bitter, I just um, uh, just, just as toxic, you know, it, it, you just, he, we, he just removed the drink, you know, he removed right. his solution um, and just was a miserable person um, up until the day he died um so I saw you know getting pregnant with my daughter I saw as like a way out you know a way a, you know I was going to go play house and we were going to get married and we were going to live happily ever after and then he beat the shit out of me you know when I was six months pregnant um and my I'll never forget is my dad showed up my dad drove a van at the time he showed up at the house we were or the duplex we were renting and and you know, was he, he knew what, what this guy had done to me. I mean, I, I was, I was pretty, it was pretty bad. Um, I thought I'd lost the baby at first, but, um, so he grabbed some of my stuff and said, you're moving back home. And I just thought, Oh, you know, I remember being so defeated and just, so just, this is where, you know, where my life is. And, um, anyway, he, the, the bio dad, um, my daughter's never met him you know, I, all ties were cut and she's 35 today. So, um, and she's a, she's an amazing human being. Um, but, but I, I, yeah, I just, I thought I had the world by the tail and then all of a sudden it was, it was, um, it was over with and I was back in my parents' house, Yeah. but I had gone through cosmetology when I was in high school and, um, to cut hair and stuff. And, um, I'd got a job shortly after my daughter was born and I met a, a gentleman and you know our first date he bought he brought me diapers and formula and I was sold I mean I was I was, <laughs> in I was in love you know he he rescued us I mean there's no way to um there's no way to decorate that he he did he truly did rescue us and he took Erica as if she were his own and um, you know, it was a beautiful thing and and we were married for, and, and lived a normal life, you know, had two, two boys after her, um, um, for, you know, a good 10 years and until finally, you know, the, the demons started, the, the, uh, zombies started, you know, putting their hands out, you know, through the, through the ground to the grave and just, they started coming after me, you know, the, the childhood, um, stuff that I'd never dealt with and the, um, the self-worth and it just, I just really started having some mental situations to where depression and headaches and, um, just kind of crazy stuff. So I started, started seeing a psychiatrist, a psychologist. I was just trying to trying to do whatever I could to try to find relief from this brain. This is this between this, these ears, which is a dangerous place to be you know especially you don't go in there by yourself you know and, yeah, and that's, that, I was just living in that
2: I was that's just cool. telling a dude this morning yeah he's new to treatment again and I was like man you need to connect with people you need community because you got to treat your head like a bad neighborhood you know that's
1: go right. there alone.
3: you don't go there don't long. go
1: in there alone don't do it I mean because yeah there's nothing nothing good can happen after dark in there But, but so it, it got to where, you know, um, I I just was emotionally just kind of a wreck and I was looking around at my life and I was, you know, um, in my, in my mid twenties, I had three children. I was a stay at home mom and I just got to think okay, is this all that there is to my my life? What, what now? I mean, who am I? I mean, I was a mom. I was a, you know, I was playing the part you know, the, the, I just, the class mom and the, I just, it was just, it was everything but me. And, um, I decided to leave the marriage and I got a job, um, working with a mortgage company and I was pretty darn good at it. You know, I got, I bought my own house and, um, you know, I was, so I was divorced with three kids learning the mortgage business. And, um, I found my feet. I mean, I found my feet. I was on my own feet for the first time in my life. I was paying my own bills. I was in charge of my own life. I had self-worth that I'd never had in my entire life. I mean, it was just, it was a beautiful thing. And, and again, you know, I just thought I had arrived. This is what it's all about never having really dealt with the demons that were still chasing me, right? And I know that now. I did not know that then. Um, and it, Well, because you get I the do. illusion
2: of control when you stuff them back down and then yeah. they seem to, you know, dissipate or go away for a while. You know, we we did that I know for me is my whole life, you know, like they'd maybe creep up here and there, but you know, I'd have like a emotional night and then you know, stuff it back down. you know, mm-hmm. never talk about it again well or for or for me,
1: I was making really good money, and so something bright and shiny and new would make everything better. Oh yeah, retail um, absolutely. or <laughs> you know, go t- taking this trip or buying this thing for this person, or you know, it, things things were were my focus, you know. Um, and, and which, which again, I can, hindsight's always, you know, 2020, they say, but at the time I thought this is the life, this is, this is what, what it's meant to be, you know, and it felt, it, it started to feel shallow and I was a normal, normal drinker back then. You know, I, a box of wine would last me, you know, a month, month and a half. I mean, it was, it was not a thing. Um, and, you know, I've had my, my oldest son ask me, you know, mom, when did you, when, what happened? I mean, wh- when did you become an alcoholic? And he's like, shit, I don't hmm. know. I mean, it's like, and and I think at the time I was sitting with him and I had a glass of tea and I took a sip and I said, I'm not an alcoholic. And then I took another sip and I said, and then all of a sudden I was an alcoholic. It was, it was literally that simple. No, no trauma happened and I started drinking like crazy. It just was a progressive thing. You know, I would there, I would wake up, you know, and think, how did I get home? Well, that's crazy. God, I can't believe what I did, you know, and kind of brush it off. It started with those kinds of things. Um, but, uh, so I, I, I remarried subsequently. I, I remarried, um, for the, for the guy I had gone to work for in the mortgage business and we, we drank together. I mean, we, we drank together like a lot, you know, when I, when I was first working with him. Um, and we were just kind of best buddies before we got involved, you know, and, um, but drinking is what we did when we traveled, we would, you know, first thing you do is order a drink when you get on the plane. And then when you get to a beach, I mean, hello, umbrella, you know, a drink. And I mean, that's just what we, what we did. And, um, and he would drink, drink for drink with me, you know, I mean, um, but, it, but it just progressively got worse when I, you know, when I was in my at late thirties, you know, I got a, I got a DUI in 2004, which you would think, which I went to, I went to jail overnight. Um, which you would think would, might go, Hmm, I wonder if there's a problem. And to me, it was just a bad night. It was just a whoopsie. You know, I should have, you know, waited or I shouldn't have gone to that store or, you know, damn cops. I mean, it was everybody's fault, but my own. Right. Um, and so it started to become an issue, um, with my husband. Um, you know, um, uh, I was stopped, I, I, I would stop coming to work. Um, you know, um, he would have to take my keys, those kinds of things, which, you know, I'll ride the lawnmower to the, to the liquor store. I mean, you know, stop me. I'm resourceful. Um, <laughs> but, but it would get to the point where I know, right. It would get to the point where, you know, problems in the relationship. Um, but, but in God bless him. And, and he's, he's, I'm, I'm at, I'm at my office that now that I'm talking to you and he's actually in the next office. But, um, he, he, he was the great enabler. I mean, the great enabler. And I knew how to manipulate him like a big dog. I mean, I could, you know, and it was a full time job. I'm telling you, to hell with a mortgage business. It was a full time job trying to figure out how, if he took the car keys and the lawnmower key, <laughs> how was I going to manipulate him to get him to bring alcohol home or come get me and take me to a restaurant to eat and then just so happen to, you know, Um, it was a full-time job trying to figure out how to, how to manipulate him. But it, you know, it started to become a problem when, you know, my ex-husband was keeping the boys, you know, um, um, away from me more and more. My daughter lived with, with us. Um, and she just kind of was left to her own, you know, God bless, God really took care of her that she's not jacked up. But, um, whenever I would try to stop towards the end. I would go into seizures mm. um, or, you know, the DTs, I mean, to where I couldn't, I couldn't write my name, you know, I mean, I would have to have him, my husband sign my name to papers or whatever the case may be. Um, But, but, you know, you get one, one shot, one shot and I was normal. And that's all. I just need one shot. And I'll, I'll, I'll be able to, to, you know, and so I was that, I was drinking against my will at, at towards the end I was drinking against my will. And um there came a point in time where my daughter um and her brothers did an intervention, which was so much fun, um, <laughs> with my parents. Um, and they basically said, you know, we you're we're done. We're done with you, um, unless you go to treatment. And so <clears throat> they had arranged to stay in at Austin Recovery here in Texas. Um, and so the next day, I mean, and and my daughter and my mom fed me little, you know, little bottles of, of wine through the night. So I wouldn't go, you know, seize, um, because what a lot of people don't realize is, is alcohol is the only drug you can die from the withdrawal. I didn't know that at the time. They had access to, um, you know, to the Austin recovery it's like, don't, don't you know, don't let her see out basically. And so they, um, they mm-hmm. nursed me through the night and then my daughter drove me down to Austin the next day. And, and I, dude, I was the model, model patient. I was, I mean, I had my notebook, I had my highlighters and, you know, um, I was at every, uh, every class i got hey, all my <laughs> i guess right i had all of it turned in my work turned in on time and i just was the gold star and, and i was sober i mean and it felt really good mind you i mean it was you know the the emotions were raw the you know every all the demons that i had been running from showed up down there and um and i thought i had dealt with them down there you know and i when when rick came and picked me up but I, i'll tell you Jason, that Rick had come down, my husband had come down for a, a family visit with the psychologist or psychiatrist, whoever it was. And it was just the three of us in the room. And um Rick looked at this guy and he said, She's the strongest woman I've ever known. Why can't she stop this? And I remember which I had I had yet to admit that I had a problem. I was just trying to shut them up, right? Just just I'll go. I'll go not because I felt like I had a problem just because I needed them to get off my back and leave me alone. Absolutely. Um, but in that moment, when he said that, that was the first time, not that I thought I had a problem, but just that I thought that's not true. That's not true. If you think that I'm doing this willingly, that's not true. I knew that to be a fact. And that was, that was very profound to me. Again, I had not admitted I was an alcoholic. I was, but I just knew that, 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 that was not a true statement. So that was the first little seed that was planted, right? So, so he picked me up after, you know, 30, 33 days or so. And, um, man, I had the world by the tail again. I was sober and, and they had suggested that I go to meetings. Or you know something like that when I left there, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and so I thought that was a nice suggestion, and I did. I found a place here that had AA meetings, and I showed up, you know, every now and then. But I'm a smart person, right? I can read the 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 little hanging thing that has the one through twelve on the on the wall. I I can read. I know what this check. <laughs> I, okay, I'm may I did get unmanageable, probably. A, you know, you know. I uh, came to believe that a power grade mm, okay, but to, you know, I'd admit to anything it, you know, just to get y'all to shut up and leave me alone. It, um, and stop making me feel but worse about myself. Well, I, I I almost I almost
2: think that a higher level of intelligence can be a liability when it comes Eesh. to recovery. A lot of the people Eesh. I know that have died were the ones that I thought, you know, we're going to go really far and never go back out.
1: Well, they try to reinvent the wheel or they try to to add to it or they, they, you know, they try to, you know, I heard, I heard a guy tell telling his story um, not too long ago. And he said that he said, you know, I could come to your house and you could feed me the best carrot cake I've ever had in my life. I mean, to tell you just heaven, heaven that cake, And I could ask you for the recipe and you can write it down, right? You wrote every single, every single step, every single ingredient down and send it with me. And you're like, make it yourself. You can, you know, but as soon as I got home, I'm the kind of alcoholic that would look over that recipe and go, "Eh, it probably doesn't need that. I just had the best cake in the world and I'm ready to change the recipe. Right. That's me. Yeah. That's you think I you do. can
2: make it better or something. <laughs>
1: right. I'm going to doctor
2: this up. Or...
1: <laughs> right. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's asinine when you think about it, but, um, so anyway, but, but, you know, so I was, I was do, doing the deal and, and I, I was, um, I found myself, I was about six months sober out of Austin recovery. Um, and this was 2012. And I, um, I found myself at Walmart, Rick and I had a trip, a trip planned and you know, they have the little travel sections with the little shampoos and the soaps and the hair, little small hairsprays and stuff like that. Right. And I was sitting in front of that section and I thought, okay, i will grab this one, you know, travel size things. And, and I saw a little travel size thing of mouthwash and all of a sudden <laughs> to my consciousness, yeah, you're laughing. I know we're not on video, but you're, you're laughing. Um, It came to my consciousness, a conversation that I had overheard while in the treatment center where one of the um, one of the counselors had said, yeah, there are some people who come in here that are so desperate. They 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 drink mouthwash. And I and I remember thinking, what fucking losers they Mm. must be if that's what they're doing. But all of a sudden that conversation was and I was like, how could that be? And before I knew it, Jason, someone had put several of those in my
2: basket. <laughs> someone being you.
1: <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> so, And before I knew it, uh, I was in my car and someone had poured them down my throat. And I remember feeling a little bit of a bug. Were you and alone? I thought, uh-huh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always, um, 99.9% of the time, I drank alone. I wouldn't a bar hop. I wouldn't, I was a loner because I knew that, yeah, I knew that wasn't good. But um, so I was just amazed that maybe there was something to that. And it's not alcohol. So, hmm, that's interesting. See, that's, that was the, the disease. You know, I even, those words come out of my mouth and I, Still, just want to punch myself in the face, right? Because there's alcohol in it.
3: <laughs> it is there, alcohol.
1: Well, if there's like some in s- some situations. There's more alcohol in the mouthwash than there is in some of the alcohols you're buying. The alcohol.
2: I've even heard of people that drink hand sanitizer
1: or vanilla. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, ex- extract. Mm-hmm. I, right, I worked yeah. with a guy. My first job was White Castle. I was sixteen until I was like seventeen or eighteen. But that job, I worked with a guy who was older than me. He used to buy my booze, and I sold him weed and stuff. But he went on a lunch break. We had a Rainbow Foods right next to the restaurant. And he was on his half-hour break, dude. He went over there, and he typed a few of those little bottles of Listerine and then drank them in the dumpster area. And we didn't know what the hell happened. All we know is that he fell down the stairs going down to the locker room in the restaurant and then his arm was broken. And when we were trying to ask him what happened, he like was completely like, you couldn't understand a word that was coming out of his mouth. He was so fucked up, you know?
3: Wow.
2: It was like, whoa. And then I seen the bottles of Listerine when I was smoking a cigarette out in the dumpster, you know? And I was like, you guys, you know, we kind of pieced it together then, but it was like, that was fucking weird, man.
3: Why didn't you wow. do that, right?
1: I, he- I, that's the disease, dude. Yeah. That's the disease, man. And, and, and it was, it was, you know, I can look back and laugh at it now, but, you know, I remember, um, because I, I wasn't a huge mouthwash user before this, just cause I don't, I didn't like how it burned my mouth. And so I, you know, I, I had good hygiene, but I just was not a mouthwash user. And so my husband thought that that was kind of strange, and you know that I had minty fresh breath just all the time. (laughs) And um, looking back now, he says he he had some kind of an inkling that something was going on. I know. Don't laugh. Oh
2: shit! I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) No, it's funny. No, it is laughing with you. I know, I know. But there came a day on uh, March 13th, 2012, that that my oldest son found me passed out in my car. I had been driving down the street from my house with a Sam size bottle of Listerine empty, Sam size bottle of Listerine. And I was, I was just obliterated out of my mind, you know, so he, he drove me home. Um, and I remember, you know, after a bit of coming, coming to and him, I'll never forget this because it was literally the worst minute of my life when he looked at me and he said, mom, is it bad that I wished that that would have been vodka? Mm. Right. And I, I just, um, my soul. Just deflated. I mean, I, I don't even know how to explain. Um, it was right then that, I knew that there was no hope for me. There was no hope for me.
2: That incomprehensible demoralization that, yeah. that it talks about in the
3: big book. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, I, it, I could not believe that I was that person. And so I made the decision. Um, you know, this was the next, the next morning when I had, had come, um, into, consciousness, you know, um, sufficient consciousness that I just made a decision. I was leaving, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna leave this existence. Um, mm-hmm. I went up around the house and gathered all of the, cause I mean, I would med seek too whenever given the opportunity. Um, you know, I went around the house and gathered all of the opioids and the, any other type of, um, narcotic that I had to get my hands on and I had them in a ceramic dish, And, um, and I was just, I was going to put me out of my kid's misery. You know, um, I just couldn't imagine, I had turned into my father, you know, um, and that's when I, I, which, you know, I, I don't think I, I had the wherewithal to, to say to myself, to myself or anyone for that matter that, you know, I'm an, that, that made me an alcoholic because i still i still i was mad at them at first that they were mad at me because i wasn't buying alcohol i wasn't going to riverbend liquor and and you know i what's the big deal it, it, that's how just crazy i had gotten yeah you know and desperate and desperate that the demons had had chased me down again and were killing me you know um so I, you know, I received a phone call from this lady that, you know, um, I had met at one of the meetings that I had attended and read what was on the wall, you know,
0: yeah. and,
1: um, and she, she, you know, I, I like I said, I, I can look back at it now and I know that it was divine intervention. Um, but she, she said, you know, I would like for you to, to meet me at the meeting at 12. At and And I was you know I was backtracking, you know, I have too much to do i've you know i i really i can't you know sorry some other time or and and she was just so persistent, and she knew she knew i i think that I think that soul and again i that's you know that's just my opinion, I think that souls recognize each other on a soul level, you know yeah. um I think you and I have that. I I think when, when you, you know, it says in our book that we're survivors of the same shipwreck, you know, and she, she was, she was safely on shore and I'm still out there drowning and she knew, she knew something was not right. Cause she, I remember her saying to me, what's an hour. The meeting is an hour. What's an hour. Give me an hour. You know, and she kept saying that. And finally I gave in and I agreed. (laughs) And now, mind you, I—I throughout this entire morning, I am inconsolably broken, just um, weeping, crying, howling. Just it, it was it was crazy. And so I lived at the time about 15 miles outside of, of Waco. Um, so I drove into town and I remember I was crying so hard I sounded like an animal. And I.
3: And that, you're sober. You're,
1: oh, you're, I'm, oh, I'm stuck. Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm, I'm you're raw, sober. Raw, raw. Just every nerve ending was just frayed and sticking outside of my body. Right. You know, it just, that's the only way to describe it. And, yeah. and I, I remember hearing sounds coming out of me that I'd never heard come out of a human being before, just because I was so sad. That what I was going to have to do when I got back, and how sad my kids were going to be. Because you I, were ready
2: to,
3: kill but, yourself.
1: but I was going to do that for them, right? I mean right. I, I get it when you know. It's like your sacrifice, says, right. right? Well, well, and yeah, it was the only thing I could do that was decent as a mom for them is is to, is, and that's the only way I knew how to make it stop where I would stop putting them through so much misery. It was not selfish at all. Now, sober probably I can look friend, back. And, yeah. But in that <laughs> moment, it's like I've got to save them from me, you know, because I can't
3: fix this.
1: And so I drove into town, and um, I remember driving into the parking lot, and and this lady is sitting in her car, and she motioned, you know, for me to sit, get in her passenger seat. Mm. And it was a parking lot of of where the meeting is held at a a church downtown Waco. And, um and I got in her passenger seat and I I was just, I was crying so hard. My gut, I think I pulled my guts. I mean, it would just, it hurt, you know, when you're. And, and she put her hand on mine and she said, I'll, I'll sit right here until you're able to talk, you know? And I just wept and sobbed and. And I hear her say something and I just kind of look at her and, and she said, I want you to ask God what he thinks about you. And I, I, I if, at first I thought, what, what the, why the, why would you want me to do that? What is, do I not feel bad? This is all just getting, you know, now analyzed. I, this is what went instantly through my head. It's like, why would you put me through that? I know how I feel about me. If there is a God, I can't imagine what he thinks of me. Why are you doing this to me? And, and, and mm-hmm. I just, I sat there and she said, I want you to close your eyes and ask God what he thinks about you. And and I'm still sobbing. So I closed my eyes and just to shut her up. And, and she said out loud. And so I mustered out the words God, what do you think about me? And Jason, in an instant, I heard three words. You are worthy. And I was as calm as I am talking to you right now. Mm -hmm. Instantly. It was, it was, it was the most bizarre thing that had ever happened to me as a human being on this planet, and I remember looking, glancing over at her, and you'd have thought she would saw a ghost because she was just looking at me like my head had spun around, and she said, "What do you say?" Huh. And I just, and I started, I started weeping again, but all, just a
3: like a joy, joyful, or a comfort. How-
1: is I heard I was worthy. What was that? And mm. she, you know, she was like, I don't know, but it's a good thing. And I'm like, I think it is a good thing, but I don't have a clue. What, what does that mean? And she said, are you ready to go upstairs and change your day?
2: You a good friend of mine, Jordan, when she found Christ, uh, you know, it was shortly after I think I got baptized. And I talked to her about like this crazy experience I had in church and where I didn't understand what was happening. It was just like I was filled with the spirit, right? I just felt it all over me. Every cell was going crazy, Uh, just touched by the spirit that day, and I didn't know what the hell was going on. But she she described this thing that you're describing in the most best way I've ever heard. She said it was like liquid love washed all over her. Mm. Like all of a sudden, she was just enveloped in... Like with love in it, you know, every, or, you know, yeah. every, every, crevice, every, yeah,
3: that's crazy.
1: Well, and it was, and it was weird because I didn't, I wasn't raised in church. I didn't, I didn't have a, I didn't have a preconceived notion. I thought there was a God, but he, he, she, it, them, whatever was for the people who dressed real pretty and went to the building with the tea on top of it on Sunday.
3: Which you explains know,
1: why
2: a- you thought, like, why would you ask me to ask right. him that? Like,
1: right. he probably right.
2: thinks I'm a way bigger piece of, shit, of shit, shit than I do. Yeah. yeah, right,
1: right. And when he says it, that, that's going to really make it true. All, yeah. yeah. But, but, so it, it, you know, it, and it was one of those things, too, that when I had when I had, had had the few meetings that I had attended in between Austin recovery and, you know, Listerine day, um, (laughs) you know, they would talk about this God and this, you know, ah, ha ha, this joyous, you know, bullshit. Y'all clearly aren't alcoholic the way I am. You know, um, that's cute because if your God was all powerful and wonderful and great, why did I even get in this position to begin with? So that's, that was the jaded, you know, bullshit thinking that I had until March 14th, 2012 at approximately 1130 AM. And that's that was that right weekend. before that
2: meeting, which started at noon. And you exactly. got this. That's why.
3: That's
1: Exactly. So I, I went upstairs and, and I changed my date. And from that moment on, I've not so much as put cough syrup in this body, but, but, but it became, began a, um, it began a um, adventure of me trying to figure out who the hell said I was worthy. Who was that? Who was that? What was that? I mean, that was just like, nuts. so, you know, it's like, okay, I, I knew that. And that was so weird, Jason, because in that moment, March 14th, 2012, approximately 11, I knew I was sober. I knew I would never drink again. I know it's dangerous for us to say that, but I knew it. I just didn't know why or how or what the hell. And is it going to stick or what's what? But like, you know, so I started, I, I figured I'm hell, I might as well do what they said to do in this stupid book. They kept pushing in front of me, you know, 164 pages, pages, pieces of paper, 164 pieces of paper transformed my entire existence working the program. Of Alcoholics Anonymous with a sponsor saved my life. It's um, it's it say you know I, I it saved my existence. But then the beautiful thing is that the the spider web. That has been that is my children that is people that I have access to through social media that is the people that I that I'm standing in line with at HEB you know uh, food store it the spider web that that March 14th 2012 at approximately 11:30 a.m. has made has just been a glorious beautiful thing that I've had nothing to do with quite frankly I right. I didn't have shit to do with this podcast it's doing good I didn't have shit to do with Half of what I do, as long as I stay out of the way, beautiful things happen. You know, my ch- children know God because I'm an alcoholic. My husband, who's on the other side of this wall, would come in here and tell you, "I have a, I have a better understanding and a b- better relationship with God because my wife is an alcoholic." Who works a pro, the program of recovery. You know, um, it and and I I live and breathe it. You know, I'll, you know, March this coming March will be 12 years. And, um, I still get to go to at least two meetings a week. Um, I still get to sit and talk to people like you, you know, where we, sh- we share this, you know, the experience, strength and hope. Man, yeah. hope, hope. That was, that was the, that was the one thing that I had none of. I had no hope I had no hope for me. I had no hope for you what that that was that was just a, a blank existence you know mm-hmm. and my life is um my life is beautiful, you know not every day is great, every day I'm happy, every single day I'm happy, not all day, but every right. single day yeah, I'm happy.
2: Yeah, we don't have bad days or weeks or months. We have bad moments. Right.
1: Know? Right. And and I and I can make a choice to do something about it. Or I can I or I can choose. Sometimes I just want to be mad.
2: Yeah, I'll sit in my shit for a couple of days.
1: Yep. 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 <laughs> yep. And I and I get I get the consequences of it, you know, and, right. and I get and luckily I've I've got people around me that I've given authority to go. You're doing this to yourself. And, you know, when you're ready, let me know. I'd love to help you find your way out
3: of it.
2: Right, or or you know, it's like I say, one of the greatest gifts, and simultaneously one of the hardest parts of my recovery is this gift of self awareness I have today. Like, once you do do that work, and you you do get in touch, you
3: can't
1: undo it. Right, you can't undo it. (laughs) You
2: you are like so acutely aware of your own bullshit.
1: Yeah,
2: I mean, especially comparing to how blinded I was by it before. Uh Like I didn't even know, you know, other people would see it and I'd be like, what are you talking about? And I had other things to blame, but now it's like, I can't deny that self-awareness piece. So I may sit in it for a couple of days, man, but I know what's going on. I know what I need to do. Even if I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm pretty good about reaching out for support, but you know what I mean? It's like, even if I'm not reaching out for support over a certain thing, I know what's going on. I know what I need to do. Right? And, you know, maybe a couple days of uh, sitting in my shit, but I'll, I'll get up and I'll do what I got to do. <laughs> there's still I'll, a
1: there's still a valuable lesson in that, even even yeah. even in that, and you know, and it 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 all you know all all yucky. <laughs> it's the only word I think of. All yucky, gross, horrible feelings. Roads leads right back to me. Every single one of them. Every single one of them, you know, it says in our literature on 417, you know, if we are disturbed, this is because a person, place, or thing is not doing what we think they should do. I, you know, there is yep. a God and I am not it. And I am so happy about that. And then uh, it also says
2: you know. every person, place, or things exactly as it should be in this moment. Right? And, my, and my thoughts and attitudes should be focused on what, do, what needs to change about me.
1: Right, and what I you can add, back into the stream. Yeah, right. what can I do for someone instead of? And that's such a foreign. If for me, it was such a foreign way of thinking because I, I was just all about me. Yeah, they're doing this to me. I when am I going to get mine? Or you know, I deserve this. Or thank God I didn't get everything I deserve. Oh my Lord, you know I can I can look back on. I, it just, you know, we don't wish to, you know, forget the past or shut the door on it, you know, but man, that's, I can still get physically nauseous thinking about some of those moments. And I don't ever want that to go away. I don't want to forget what that felt like, because man. if I do, I can't honestly share with a newcomer, honestly, that I know exactly how you feel if I forget how that felt.
2: I got to keep it in the forefront for sure. Yeah, That's why the newcomer yeah. is important. That's why regular media tenants is important. That's why serving mm-hmm. serving others is the one thing that will always help when nothing else seems to help. Right. Know, I got a lot of tools at my disposal, but every once in a while you have something happen that just, it's it's like nothing's working. Being there for another suffering, alcoholic or addict is the one thing that it works every time without fail. Never failed me yet.
1: Well, and again, as those as those shipwreck survivors, there are times we choose to get back in the water. You know, we just we just want to tread water just just one more time or a little while longer. And it's like, you know, there's life preservers all around us. We just have to reach out and grab one of them, you know and Amen. And get with a get with another person who who knows how it feels and and you're right. I see what you can do for someone else,
2: so you did mention something earlier that really stood out to me uh that I relate to in a profound way through through my experience with shadow work uh was a piece of kind of what helped me with my healing journey that I learned uh from somebody in the program but it was like that inner child thing you know mm-hmm. i didn't have that visual representation uh suggested to me with you know to like find some pictures and 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 like address the picture mm-hmm. which i i find i think that sounds like an awesome uh little addition to it but but what what's your thoughts on um like were you surprised at the effectiveness of uh doing that kind of work? Uh you know, imagining that you were being the person for your, you know, younger self that you never had. Did were you surprised by how much that helped you uh in other aspects oh, 100%, of your life?
1: A hundred percent. I was I I was yes, and I was surprised at how good it felt. Of how of how stay with me here, how it's almost as if, if simultaneously I was, I was the protective parent that, you know, the, the mama lion that was showing up, you know, to defend, but simultaneously I was the little cub that could hide behind that mama. Or, you know, I was both of those all in one. Right. I no longer had to, I no longer had external things that could let me down in that way, if that makes sense. Because I still have my mom and, and my dad in my life at that point. But but it's like they were irrelevant. And I was going to parent that child who was frozen at an emotional state at five years old. I was going to parent that child and rear her up to to catch up with me. Yeah. Which she has there's there's parts of her that will 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 never maybe cause I won't let her. You know, I, my youngest son used to his K's used to be T's. So he would say instead of kitty cat, it would be titty tat. And it was mm-hmm. like I would threaten people with their life if they corrected him. Now he's right. twenty five years old, does not no longer say titty
3: tat. But, <laughs> but
1: it was like I I love that about that little child. And there are things that, you know, because I've mentally I have blocked out most of my childhood. I've had shrink after shrink pretty much say, leave it alone. Your brain is protecting you from whatever. Just knock it off, you know? So, so there, there are things that I still am childlike in and I'm not going to squash that ever, you know? And and like I said, I've got those three pictures and I've carried them with me for 12 years. And, And when, when I'm with a new sponsee and I'm able to show that this is the little girl that I take care of. You know, yeah. um, and, and like I said, there are times where mentally I have to when I look at the clock and see that it's 1145 and I've got to be up at six. You know, I literally in my head, I'm like, all right, it's time for you to go to bed, go brush your teeth, get in the bed, you know, and that sounds a little whacked out. But but there are times where I have to I have to do that. You know, but I, let me tell you real quick about an exercise and I'm, I'm not sure why I I was prompted to share this. One of the, one of the most bizarre things that I've ever done in my entire life, when I was down (laughs) at Austin recovery, I was, I was sharing with the, the therapist, some things about, you know, and, and he was talking about, he was one of the ones that said, your brain is, you know, keeping you from knowing certain things and sometimes forcing, it cannot be a great idea. He said, but there is one exercise that, and and I know there's a term for it. I don't know what the the technical term is, but I'm right-handed. I've been right-handed my whole life. He said, what I challenge you to do is get your notebook and pick a time in your life that you do possibly remember. He said, and just with your non-dominant hand, just start writing that story, you know, and just write what you, what you possibly do remember. Just, just start writing and just see what happens. I don't know. Dude, I started that and, and I don't know what the, what the connection is between the brain and the non-dominant hand, but you're so focused on trying to make the letters properly, you know, because right. you, you look all squiggly and stuff. Before I knew it, Jason, I had rent, written a couple of pages. And you could have put a gun to me, my head, and I would have sworn that I had not written that because I wrote things that I didn't remember. Dude. The brain, when it's focused on something else, apparently is able to. It's. It, it was the most strangest thing I've ever done. Because I revealed to myself some stuff about my childhood that, that subco- or consciously I had not remembered. So maybe it's the subconscious is able to operate yeah. when the conscious is, I don't know what it were, it, but it, it was creepy. It's science.
3: So,
1: yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> so I, I, again, I wouldn't challenge anybody to go in there after dark, you know, by themselves. No. Yeah. Was, it's important kind of to you know, do that not, kind
2: of thing. We're not mental professional. health professionals.
1: Right. But yes. that was that was so so, yeah, to answer your question, I was um I was relieved that someone who genuinely cared about that little girl was finally gonna take care of her,
3: well, it's cool
2: that you can like you say, you know, you can be the one to hug her, to mm-hmm. tell her it's okay
1: to, and to get on to her
2: to, to let her know. And then also simultaneously you can feel that hug that you always needed to feel. Mm -hmm. You can hear those Mm -hmm. words that you always needed to hear. That maybe would have could have prevented you from carrying all that toxic bullshit through your whole life, you know.
1: You know, I heard I heard someone say the other day, it's it's not trauma that fucks up kids. It's trauma that kids have to go through by themselves that fucks up
2: kids. Yeah. And Un- just, it's oh. untreated unchecked trauma yeah. because yeah. it festers right it grows in the dark and it loses mm-hmm. its power when it's exposed to the light
1: mm-hmm. and there was no there was zero light in my life until march 14 2012 at approximately at 1130 1130 a. <laughs> <laughs> i always have to finish that because it does prompt a conversation with i love sandwiches. it but it's true i mean it's in that moment It was again, it was it was kind of like the example I I gave about telling my older son, you know, with a glass of tea. It's like, okay, sip. I'm not an alcoholic. Here's another sip. All of a sudden I am in that moment at at 1129. I was an alcoholic, but at 1130, I wasn't an active alcohol. You know what I mean? I was I was I was in it and then I, I was sober. But then there was the okay. now what? Because I can't imagine what would have happened to me had I not gone, had I just said, "Okay, I'm good and gone home." You know, it was the adventure that I went on afterwards that sealed the deal, and that still will continue to seal the deal until the day I die. I get to I get to live this life. You and me, dude, we get to live this life with for the most part with joy, you know, um, for the rest of our lives. I mean, what a gift. What a beautiful, crazy-ass
2: gift. You know, it's like even in the hard times and the suffering or whatever. Like, I've had a really hard week. Uh, It's like there's just so so much to be grateful for. And I'm, you know, I have a peace through the storms, you know what I mean? And it's weird. You know, still weird. It's still weird. It's been seven Isn't po- it,
1: just? And I I bet, I bet the same thing is with you, especially when you're going through something really deep. Do you ever have moments where you're like, okay, wait a minute. I should literally be flipping the fuck out right now. Right. No or way. I'll
2: hear myself Am I not?
1: You know? <laughs> like,
2: or I'll like, hear myself not? talking about it you know, or maybe I'm supporting somebody who's going through something that I could like relate to on a profound level, but the support I'm giving and I'm like able to kind of observe it so I can like hear myself and I'm, I'll am i have a, those aha moments where I'm like, where the fuck did that come from?
3: Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, Who said that? it's like
2: God's working through me. And I can feel it, you know, when you have those moments where you're just a conduit of his grace in somebody else's life. And you can feel that flowing through you and out of your mouth, you know, it's like really cool because, yeah, just I would have been so hung up on the problem that I couldn't see you know my gratitude or i couldn't see or i couldn't like remove myself from that state of mind Mm -hmm. enough long enough to even be like present to listen and answer one of the kids when they had a question or or or, like listen to my spouse when she's trying to tell me about her day you know Mm -hmm. just locked in my own head like
3: Mm -hmm. i'm
2: not like that very much anymore like very 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 And uh, when I am, I can catch it though. It'd be like, oh.
1: Right. That's what that is. Well, and it, it, you know, and it's one of those things too when you can when you have allowed all of the mess to become your message. You know, and in and in that light, all of the mess makes perfect sense. My life makes perfect sense. And and when you when you come to appreciate that when you're in another mess subconsciously or consciously, you know that it's going to work out, you know, it, it may not be right the second, but you, you do have a, we have enough practice of, you know, falling down and getting back up and realizing that we had to fall down to appreciate getting back up, you know? Um, Yeah. It's, it's a beautiful thing. And like you said,
2: every single thing is a building block to what's to come. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I might find myself, you know, with somebody that needs support in a in a really special way that I'm able to provide, and it's only because I've been through something similar, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. found and found my way through that in 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 a in a path to healing for that. It's that empathy.
1: It's that empathy, man. That that no one else, you know. And and I and I remember being down at Austin Recovery. You know, my counselor you know, um, did not have ex- personal experience with addiction. And it's just like, I don't believe a word you say. I don't believe a word you say. Yeah. Get your book and see where your book says. But, but there was not that soul to soul connection that yeah. another, you know, that that is, you know, another alcoholic addict can have with me. And
2: you that's know, why I'm such a huge advocate. Each other. For the peer-to-peer support yes. services, you know. like
1: Yes, 100%.
2: It's, it's spreading finally. It's finally, uh, you know, billable through insurance in most states. And, I mean, it's been a really slow process getting that off the ground and getting the peer support movement going. But I think it's invaluable to our community, and it's a much-needed, uh, you know, ingredient. It's just an ingredient. There's a lot more work to be done. Uh, right, right. For, for people who need supports and resources. But, man, so I I did – I know you heard the siren. <laughs> that was my little timer because I wanted to allow time okay, for sure. the closing segment. I okay. would be remiss to ever miss the opportunity to ask these questions or hear your great responses. So sure. definitely – are you ready for the closing question? Let's
1: go. Okay.
2: Number one, here at the Way Out Podcast, we find that daily routines are essential for a meaningful and sustainable recovery. So, Christine, what does your uh, regular recovery routine consist of?
1: Oh goodness. Um. Well, every. Thank you for asking that. Every single, single, single morning, without fail, um, since uh, March fifteenth, two thousand twelve. Um, I get up in the morning and I seek, I, I seek, um, back then <clears throat> I don't read very well. I know how to read, right. But, but, um, I don't retain very well w- when I read. So audible books is
2: really yeah, for me. Yeah, thank God for but, audible.
1: I know. Right. But, but my sponsor had said, she knew I was on social media and she said, um, would you ever post something that you hadn't read? And I said, well, of course not. And she said, "So I challenge you. Why don't you seek out three things that you're just like, oh, I relate to that, or ooh, that's great. And why don't you type it out and share it on social media?" And I thought, "Well, I oh, I can do that, you know." So I I googled, you know, s- uh, sober motivation. I googled inspiration. I I googled and subscribed to a bunch of things, right? And so every morning I have probably a dozen um emails. And then we also have our, our, all the apps, you know, there's all kinds of apps with Hazelden books and stuff like that. Yeah. So I just sit down with a cup of coffee. My husband sits across the, across the room in his, cha- you know, easy chair and does whatever it is he does. But I mm. just, you know, I, I start my morning with, you know, before I even get out of bed, God, your will be done, not mine. What do you, what do you want to teach me today? What can I do? What let's, let's do your plan today, not mine. So when I, when mm-hmm. I start reading, whenever something strikes me. And usually I I don't, not that I'm going through it, but I'm like, Oh dude, that's so good. I'll put it out on social media. And so it's funny because my kids, we've coined it doing my paperwork in the morning. So yeah. when mom is doing her paperwork, we don't interrupt. We don't, you know, we don't call during, you know, six to about nine o'clock. You know, I spend however much time I'm allotted, you know, by the time I get up and um, and I just, I share things on social media and that's <clears throat> for me, that's, I build a foundation that's solid enough to support the day that's coming to be built on top of it, you know? Ugh. And at night when I go to bed that, that, in that day and that foundation crumbled to a million gazillion pieces. So the next morning I have to do that again. If I want to have a stable foundation for the day with, with whatever comes my way.
3: Yeah. And I, I got to
2: agree, that's also part of my own personal routine is,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, just welcoming God in right away in the morning. Like, move me out of the way, you know, use me for your purposes today. Help guide my thinking and my actions and, and, uh, my, my like attitudes. Cause yeah. I can get a pissy attitude. Oh. You know, and And, it's it's, it, it's
1: waiting up top on the headboard. Just going are we ready? Yeah. yeah every <laughs> so, yeah. every mm-hmm.
2: every day that I start with that is barn on always a better day than if I forget to, you know, cuz sometimes I be forgetting.
3: Mm-hmm. I'm not
2: going to lie, but I'd, I'd make it a pretty damn regular practice and I'm grateful that I have the,
3: uh,
1: yeah, I haven't, I have not missed a single day since it, even traveling. And, and I'll tell you why, because there was a point early on when, when I, I would miss a day or something and it was my beautiful husband that would go, how about we stop and let's, <laughs> so, we got to start this day over with. So it'll be, sometimes it'll be two o'clock in the afternoon and I'll see someone and go good morning. Cause I'm starting my day over. You know, they say, or we say, you know, you can start your day over anytime you want to, yeah. you know, um, but, but yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty regimented in my, almost to a fault probably in my schedule with that goes, but anyway.
2: That's I don't right. know. I, they say that the human brain thrives on routines, you know, yeah. it needs that structured, disciplined routine in life you know in some aspect or i
1: never had that before i went and came into recovery right but
2: I, they I would say, never structure. they say that that's like kind of the human mind is uh geared for that so yeah apparently it's it's a thing i don't know it's science i'm not I a love scientist it. i yeah. love it <laughs> next question what is a book or a piece of literature that has had the biggest impact on your recovery
1: Oh, let me tell you, it's, um, it's a book called God on a Harley. Um, if, yeah, it, and it's one of those things that, you know, um, like I said, I had no conception of, of God, um, before coming into recovery. And my sponsor suggested this book to me, God on a Harley. And there's a couple of sequels after that. And it's about this woman who's going through some stuff. And she meets this guy on a Harley, clearly, and they become friends and, you know, she ends up wanting to, to have a relationship and, and, and it just, it's one of she comes to realize that it's God showing up, um, in a way that was, that she could, was open to receiving, um, non-threatening something she was familiar with. And, and it just, it showed it my conception of God was wrong. It's not the white haired, white robed dude that's throwing lightning bolts at people, you know, um, and judging and condemning. And it, it just, it was able to, I sometimes, and I, I don't mean this offensively to myself and my, my little girl. Sometimes I need things dumbed down a little bit. I just need them, you know, God i bless all the, you know, the puppies and the piggies and I, all the these and the thous is just too much for me. Yeah. So I needed it brought down in a way that I could understand to where God was was approachable and less threatening. So even if even if you're listening and you have your own, you know, whoever you give it a read. What can it hurt? Um, it has helped a lot of people that I've suggested it to. Um, but Whoa. it's yeah, God got on a Harley. Yep.
2: and this this is I as far as I know I'm pretty sure the first time we've ever had this recommendation and I really get excited about that as you can imagine coming up on almost 380 episodes now mm. that we're thinking you know you get so many repeat and it. it's great to throw out something fresh for for the listeners mm-hmm. um and you guys if you know if you're new it'll be in the show notes so just Go to sh- click show more and go to the bottom. You'll see clickable links for anything, the resources, the book, everything that she suggests on the show will be nice and easy for you to just click on and access.
3: That's great. That you do that. Next
2: question. What is the best piece of advice you think you've ever received?
3: Um. The, uh, mm,
1: i i let me give it, it, it I, um it's a statement more more than than advice, but it it's turned into advice and it, it is it's not about you mm. yeah, it's not about you and I was going, okay well what's not about you nothing is about you, <laughs> nothing is about you, you're making everything about you and I'm like, oh shit. Yes, there. Yes, it's not. And I don't want. And, and I've come to the point in my recovery, Jason. I don't want anything to be about me. My the the podcast. I don't want to be about me. Operation Sober Santa. You know the the n- local news channels coming tomorrow to interview me. And it's like if I'm not careful, if I'm not careful, I will make it about me. Oh yeah. And if I make it about me, it's going to be screwed up. Yep. It just is. You know, but when I remove me out of any type of equation and I just let God do whatever God's going to do, and I'm willing to plant the seed, and it's not about me, things turn out beautifully every single time. So it's not about me.
2: Man, we always say here on the show that we're not trying to get famous in an anonymous program.
1: You know, (laughs) amen.
2: (laughs) We're just trying to provide a solid resource. You know, with practical tips that people can apply today to their own recovery to help them find yeah. or you know jumpstart their recovery, whatever.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. All right, next question: What is the greatest challenge that you've had to face in your recovery?
1: Um, re- relationships. Mm. Relationships. Um, you know, most ninety-eight. 98- percent of my relationships are glorious i mean they're just because i take me out of that you know i just i I try to take me out of it um but there are a couple of relationships you know family-wise that um have not been restored and um you know are are just heart-wrenching if 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 i climb back down into that water right as as a shipwreck survivor if i climb back into that water Mm, it's a dangerous, dangerous place for me to be. So there that's one of those things that I have to constantly give, give over to God. Because I'll take it back and, you know, think that I can fix things and I screwed it up worse. And and but it's just one of those things where I just have to trust God. But so it's it's been relationships and thinking that when I when I got sober, when I got sober, because there's a difference between being sober and in recovery, mm-hmm. right? But I thought, especially once I got into recovery, it's like, I'm a good fucking person. I mean, I'm doing good stuff here. Who wouldn't want to be in my life? You know, it's like, why? wait, why aren't these relationships, you know, working? And then guess what? It's not about you. I don't know what God's doing. I, I don't know what God's doing in this, you know, in the relationships may never be restored. I'm willing. I'm willing to, you know, in as much as I can, have I done my part? to try to to you know yeah i can lay my head down and say that i've done everything i can and the rest i'm just leaving up to god and and you know um and trusting but yeah relationships and thinking that things are supposed to be a certain way and they're sometimes they're just not right
2: well time and consistency is our only friend you know it's God is the only one that can change a person's heart, and right. if if and when He chooses to do so, what do we want them to find? Right? Mm. They might say, "You know, I've been hearing or I've known for a while that you were doing some good stuff, but I wasn't sure if it was going to last, and so I waited. But here you are. You know, you're drinking again. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, it mm-hmm. was
2: all bullshit, you know. Or are they going to be like, hell yeah? you are doing really good not, you know then they're going to even feel bad for maybe waiting you just never know well and but again
1: you know the the way the way that the way I feel that like God is is showing me Jason is 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 that's not in this situations it's it's not about me you know maybe no. they're maybe they're spiritually sick maybe they're on their path and you know one of the you said one of the what's one of the good things of advice another one I I had was stay out of God's way. Right. You know, if I if I'm trying to force a relationship on them, am I am I you know, cuz we we're do no harm. We are do no harm. You know, and and if, if I'm forced trying to go love me, love me, be in my life, you know, right. am I am I knocking them off of a path that God's like, I'm trying to do something here. You know, stay when I need you, I'll call you in, you know, is right. is the mentality that I've just
3: had to take.
2: Well, to you know, be- you you're only responsible for the effort, not the outcome. Uh-huh. So it's important, as you say, to let go of expectations, like let go of those. And just like you said, like God, do what he's going to do.
1: Right.
2: He's better at it than we are. Amen. What is the greatest success that you think you've had in your recovery
1: See, I'm real careful with that because I got to tell you when someone says how proud they are of me or, you know, man, you're doing such amazing things or, you know, you're just awesome. It's like I'm that's a hot potato for me. I don't want to put that garment on because if I put that garment on. Um, I'm gonna strut around like I made it like I sewed it myself. but I, I mean, I'll take all the credit. It will become about me again. So it's i I try to be very cautious about taking credit for anything because anything that's worthwhile in my life, I had nothing to do with. I mean nothing. I, I mean, I just I, you know I, I'm not'm I'm not, I'm not in recovery because of my you know, anyway, yeah. but but the successes for me is just being willing. Because that's a, that's a, that is now I take that back. That is a conscious action, right? Um, I have to be willing to allow God to drive the bus. Yep. I have to get my ass out of the, out of the driver's seat and go, it's all yours. You know, Um, even
2: even the fact that you opened yourself up to God, that you were able to see his face, that you were able to let him move in your life. That, could be your greatest.
3: See,
1: success. I don't even know if that was I don't even know if that was a willingness because I'm telling you, when I got in that car
2: Well, you can't deny it I once was, you feel I it. was
1: I was void of anything. Right. So I mean I wasn't seeking a God. I wasn't seeking a, a ah, you know, angels singing burning bush, why why I wasn't seeking any of that. It just that was a gift that I had nothing to do with that was given to me in that moment, you know, I think it was a nine one one situation where he's like, okay, now we got her where we want her. We, we at least have a chance of, you know, I at least have a chance of getting her attention, you know, right. and boy did he ever. <laughs>
2: so. Yeah, And once you feel that you just cannot you deny. Un-
1: yeah. Mm-mm. Yep.
2: Mm-mm. Mm. No, no, no. All right. And then we're going to one more. This is probably like the heaviest one and you may have already answered it, which is fine if you had, but and then we'll finish it off with a fun one. Uh, what is something that you haven't forgiven yourself or someone else for?
1: Um, I, I, there's nothing that I haven't forgiven myself for nothing. Um, just because it was brought early on to my attention it was brought to my attention early on by my, by my sponsor that what she said to me was, do you believe, even though you don't understand it, I can see, we don't give a shit if you understand it. You just got to do it. You don't have to understand it. So she, she would say to me, do you, do you believe that God, Whoever that God is, you're, I know you're on a journey to figure out who this, but whoever that was that said you're worthy, do you believe that he forgives you? And I was like, yeah. I mean, why would he show up and say I was worthy if he, and she said, then who are you to not forgive yourself? Mm. How selfish.
2: So it's many things, about you. so many things that you say in the way that you say them, like the, literally you use the exact same words that I do to describe some, some of that stuff. And this yeah. is, and this is another one now, but the other one was like when you were wailing and you were making noises, you never mm-hmm. heard yourself make before. Oh man. And then, you know, when you were talking about the inner child thing, uh, parts of that and just parts of your journey are like advice that really stuck with you. It's like same exact the same thing. thing. So but that, she, that was one of it, them.
1: When you, when she put it like that, Jason, it's like, who am i to not i clearly am no one cuz i still was no one to myself in that in in that early on i i didn't want to die anymore mm-hmm. but i didn't didn't want anything to do with me so it's like who am i to sit here and hold a grudge against me when that thing yeah. showed up in the car on March 14 2012 at approximately 11:30 a.m. Yeah. and and saved me who am i to go seriously
3: yeah my so sponsor
1: like, you know, it, my sponsor yeah.
2: said you are just sitting in his throne you're playing god and i was yeah. a babe in christ at the time so i was like offended by that statement like i would never because i love god right now you know i'm like when you when you're fresh and you first like experiences you know that liquid love yeah. and you're just like holy shit god's real and oh my gosh I was like, how dare you, sir? And then he's like, no, no, no. How dare you? You're sitting in his throne right now. And you're telling, and you're yep. judging you're yourself. You're trying to run
1: the universe.
2: When you're literally already forgiven and the fight's already been won, dude. I'm but like, when you
1: realize, uh, when, you, when, you, when you are sitting on that throne and you're judging yourself, guess what else you're doing? You're judging everybody else too. Oh, yeah. Right. Be, well, and, and to, to, to the second part of your question is, is forgiven others. These, these couple of relationships that are, that are in my life, I, I do find myself climbing back into the water, like we've talked yeah, about,
3: totally. but,
1: but, but it, it, and again, it, it is my responsibility to continue to stay surrounded by people that I've given the authority to call me on my shit, right. you know, and, and, and see that, you know, something's not right. But but there are times where I get in that cesspool and I'm angry and you know to hell with them. and but I'm reminded and and, and this is what I love about God is it's gent, you know, gently reminds me, give them, give them back to me. I'm right. doing something here. You, you trusted me and you're not trusting me. What, what, what happened? Yeah. You know, it's it's like you either do or you don't. If you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant, it's not, you can't be kind of pregnant. You can either give God everything or not give God everything. Right. I want to be the give God everything person. But on occasion, I'll take things out of his hand and go, ah, uh, let me try again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's just like, go ahead. You get to <laughs> have the consequences of that effort, you know. Um, mm. But for the most part in those situations where I feel like I've not forgiven, I'm reminded that we are, we are, we are spiritual beings having a human experience and those people are just as broken as I was, you know, so I can have it. I can find an empathy for them. And in the minute that they're ready to have a relationship, I'm here, I'm, I'm ready. Let's, we don't, we don't have to hash things out. We don't let's do now. What, right. what now? Right. What now?
2: Well, it's like, I, I need to be reminded sometimes that, you know, like when I came in, I, I wanted forgiveness and I wanted grace and the definition of grace is undeserved favor, right? Like unmerited favor. So that means you, you are forgiven, even though you do not deserve it. Mm -hmm. And those are the hardest ones to forgive. You know, it's hard to forgive people that don't deserve it, but we have to, we must, we must do that. We must.
1: Scott Scott Lee is a is a is a speaker that and if you Google him him and uh, Bob Dole they man they do a I, I'm listening to a step study in my car that I have for the past probably six months the best stuff I've ever heard I mean best step study it's oh meaty but he said you know we we come in wanting um wanting wanting grace and forgiveness for ourselves but judgment for everybody else and I'm like shit.
2: Yes, I did. It's while you find out that, you know, you're required to give those things to others if you expect to receive them.
1: Right. And you can't give what you don't have, which includes love, understanding, Mm -hmm. compassion, patience. If you don't and and, uh, to go one step further, you can't give it away if you don't give it to yourself, which to me is that little kid. If I'm Mm -hmm. not giving that little kid love and kindness and patience, I'm not going to give that waitress that just screwed up my order love and patience and kindness you know i can't i can't you can't squeeze you know orange juice out of a tooth toothpaste tube you know what's (laughs) in it's gonna come out right and i want goodness and love and kindness and understanding and you know i want that to be something that comes out of me when i'm squeezed under pressure that's
2: beautiful that's beautiful parting thought. Uh, last, but certainly not least, probably my favorite question. What is a song that symbolizes recovery to you?
1: I know exactly which one, um, rascal flats changed. If you have not heard that song, get your tissues. And I, I could drive you right now, Jason, to where I was. I was in, I was two cars behind the window at a, uh, at a pharmacy in Robinson, Texas. When I heard this song for the first time. And I had to pull my car out of line and I just wept. Mm. And the song talks about, um, you know, I came up out of the water, you know, uh, looking at the father and, you know, how he talks about how, um, you know, he's got a, a, a lot of I'm sorry's And, you know, that was not me who did those things, but, but this is me now. And, 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 you know, he, he says he's changed. And, and I felt that on a soul level, you know, because I'm, I'm not at all the person I was and, and, and we do change. We do become, you know, it did require me to be broken into a million pieces in, in my opinion, for God to put me back the way I was supposed to be. Right. And I'm that person now. And I get to, as long as I do the deal, right, I need, I got to keep taking the, I call, call it taking the medicine, which is 164 pieces of paper in a book. It's a sponsor. It's literature. It's talking to people like you and, and other people in the program and new people and helping. As long as I take that medicine, my disease will stay in remission. Yeah. But 100% of the time when someone has relapsed and gone back to be the person that they were before, they quit taking that medicine 100% of the time, period. You know, I, I know that there are people who can get sober without taking the steps, but I don't know a single person that has not stayed sober that has taken those steps and works the program. Not a single person. In 12 years, I've not, not met one person that does this deal that has relapsed. It's a
2: lifestyle choice. You so, know. But look
1: up that song. Look up that song. James. Oh, yeah. Gonna, oh, man. It's going to get ready. It's going to get in your core. I've heard it's it.
3: Good. And oh, I'm going so to listen to it
2: when I write your show notes. And I'll put it in the show notes for you guys out there listening. It'll be right there next to the resources, the links for the podcast for Operation Sober Santa. If you want to uh, donate to that, the book everything that she's told us her best piece of advice it'll all be in the show notes uh and don't forget to check out the way out playlist it's exclusively on spotify so if you don't listen to spotify sorry but uh it's a curated list of uh songs that represent recovery to all of our amazing guests and yeah man i can't thank you enough for being here christine no, oh, awesome.
1: you know what? I love your guts, and and I, that just—I'm so happy to know you, and I'm so honored that you um, took the time to sit down and
3: talk to me today.
2: Yeah, same. I'm I'm honored to be able to talk to you, and this is always and will always be one of the most rewarding and fulfilling parts of my recovery that I never expected. Yep. You know yep. to ever. I would have never thought I'd be doing something like this. So
1: such a labor of love. Well, you know, it's funny because prior to March of this year, I'd never, I'd never listened to a podcast in my entire life.
2: And now you're a podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) And
1: (laughs) and mighty good at it, ma'am. Mighty good at it. It's nuts. But you know what? It's easy to talk about something that you're passionate about. It's easy to talk about something that, um, that, that just gives hope.
2: Those God bump conversations.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: So anyway, you guys out there, if you stayed this long, we really appreciate your ears and your time. And I hope you got a lot out of this conversation. Uh, We are going to sign off, but I just hope you all have a blessed week. And remember, take care of yourselves and each other. See you later.
0: Thank you for being a part of The Way Out. We appreciate your ears. We're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week. So keep listening up. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to the Way Out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.